0: Talking Talk podcast for the media bias.com. My name is TJ. I'm joined today by Chris Hello. and Brent. Hi. Uh, this episode, we're going to what are we going to do? We're going to do our watch list yep. for the week, and we're going to talk about uh, this weekend news. news for movies, TV, video games. We call that breezy on the streets. And we're going to tell you what to watch, in our opinion, this upcoming weekend. It's a very easy weekend
1: for that. Yeah, we, we should we should just harass MoviePass to see if they'll sponsor us for that last bit. Yeah, <laughs> it, the, the the MoviePass. Yeah, the
0: MoviePass. What you should watch. Yeah, they're they're flush with now. extra cash. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're already done that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, watch list. I'll go first. I didn't watch anything. I watched Survivor. We'll save that for a reality roundup. But uh. I watched some Sidney Lumet things. Sidney Lumet, Sidney Lumet
1: things. But we're going to save those for a future podcast. It's hard because there's other movie creators who are who do the French pronunciation. They're Lumet. I just called it Lumet until I heard
0: somebody say Lumet. Finally, I think the first person I heard say Lumet was Michael Shannon in an interview. So I didn't know, but yeah, I'm going to save those for a future podcast uh, when we talk about
2: Sidney Lumet and his career. Uh, Brent, you got anything? So, yeah, I will mention one thing. I've, uh, I've also only watched Sydney Lumet movies this week. Wanted to go see, I really wanted to go see A Quiet Place, but uh, I spent every afternoon instead uh, going to my local tag office to try to get a tag for my truck, and the entire system was down for four days of the week. <laughs> so, real quick, side story on that.
0: I, driving through Burger King on the way home from work, I get one large soda, and my card gets declined, and I freak out, and I pull around to the side, I open the banking app, there's plenty of money in there, I go in, they try it again, declined again, I call my bank, their entire network was down in the country, and their ETA for, for like getting it back up was an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, would that cause my card to be declined? And they were like, absolutely all the cards are going to get declined. Wow. And I was just like,
2: whoa. Across the country? Yeah. Wow. Jesus. So, anyway, anyway. yeah. Yeah, so. I I wound up making a bunch of useless trips this week. Because uh, they didn't answer the phone either. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I didn't get to go to the movie theater. They haven't seen anything new. And I uh, haven't watched anything. Although, I will say that I've... Um, I did watch another episode. And it's a show I've been putting off until... I thought I was going to wait till I finished it to talk about it. But... I was listening to one of the podcasts I wasn't here for, and the two of you and Kelly talked about Ugly Delicious, which I think I started that, like, the the day it hit Netflix. Ashley and I did. Yeah. And we've just been watching it so slowly that... You told me about it. Yeah. You like, a bell. You told me about the pizza episode. Yes, and yeah. then he was talking about it on that podcast. Mm-hmm. He had finished it. You and Kelly finished it. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> Ashley and I have been... Uh, We've started watching it again, and so... Uh, um, but yeah, I want to echo basically everything Chris said that episode, which was that that show was really interesting. It has a very... Kind of int- just, like, delightful, too. Like, just, like, delightful in a way that's like, it's it's not anything you're super attached to. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's hard for me... It's a tough show for me to want to binge, just because... Uh, who's the, the main... David Chang. David Chang. He is... I guess his uh his personality I would describe as prickly. Yeah. Like you know, a lot of times you will you will find yourself just like rolling your eyes at how like upset he gets at certain things for no reason. But mm-hmm. he's just very particular about every opinion that he has. But it's interesting. It is it is a very interesting show to watch and it's and you're basically watching it through his eyes, his his views on fusion of foods, of food cultures, and how he doesn't, you know, sometimes he approves, sometimes he doesn't, and it's hard to predict what he's going to
1: how he's going to view something. There there is the the first episode is about pizza. And he kind of takes the approach that convention with pizza is bullshit. Like there is no there shouldn't be such a thing. If it tastes good and it's bread and it's called pizza, then it's pizza. But then like later on he talks about like the authentic experience of uh, like whatever, yeah. like the authentic barbecue. And he like, there's an episode on barbecue where he makes it his mission to go and try all the different types of barbecue, and like lends a lot of credence to people saying this is barbecue, full stop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I, I guess I can kind of see it from like, not to interject my opinion into his much more valuable one, but I, I can see it from a. Uh, conventional argument standpoint, where there really isn't a pre-existing debate about what is and isn't pizza in like, the chef community, but there is about barbecue. Mm-hmm. But like, it extends beyond that in a way that like he's willing to contradict himself. And if someone calls him out because he's with his New York Times writer buddy the whole time, if he calls him out on it, he's like, "Yeah, I don't have to make sense. Like, that's not my job. I just, you know, am talking about
2: food." And there, there are certain parts where he gets really. He, he he talks about how he likes he just has this urge to go back and cook the traditional things that he grew up with and how he he wants to get back to those basics. And then other times he kind of gets angry at people for sticking to traditions, like the 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 people he meets in I think New Orleans that maybe the episode about like crawfish and shrimp yeah. and how he kind of gets angry that they're just cooking it the New Orleans way. Yeah. And like there's, so,
1: you kind of... Why don't you steam it?
2: Right. Yeah, that
1: was his big thing. It's like, you guys are chefs. You know what it would taste better if you steamed it. Why do you boil it? you do? No, like, well, that's the way it's done. Also, no one here
2: would buy it. If <laughs> it's, I mean... Yeah. That's that's what they try to explain to him. So, he's a, he's a bit... He's kind of pompous when it comes to that, but it's not to the point where it, you don't want to watch him anymore. Because, uh... And he is a culinary genius. Yeah,
0: that's what, I mean, not to talk about food for too long, but that's like that's what food is. That's what every cooking show I've ever seen is. It's like there's a fine line
1: between like you could be Wellington this way, and then like you didn't take any risk. Right. Like, you, yeah, you you mix it up. That that's something that I've always a criticism I've always had of Top Chef. Um, actually, really any like creative competition is because we just or we watch Ink Masters because we're stupid. Um, But on Top Chef, they will criticize a chef one episode by saying, you're playing it safe. And then the next episode, criticize them for saying you took too many risks. And I get that the difference is in execution, Mm -hmm. but there's no one saying that playing it safe and executing it well is going to be worse or better than taking a bunch of risks and still executing it well. Right. What happens one of my favorite like reality challenge TV shows ever, on Project
0: Runway all the time. And yeah. The judges fight about it constantly. Like, we know you can do this. Show us what else you
1: can do. And one of the judges is always like, why should they? Yeah. And it's the same in Ink Master. Like, like, they'll be like, you do American traditional really well, but we're tired of seeing that style. And then they'll, like, they'll do some other style and they'll fuck it up. They'll be like, well, we don't know that. I really don't know that style that well. And they're like, well, you have to to be an Ink Master. And then it's a tattoo reality show, in case you guys don't know. But, um, and then, like, future episodes will be, like, American Traditional Day. And they'll do it. And they'll be like, you knocked this out of the park. We want to see more tattoos like this from you. It's Like, there's sure. a lot of editing that happens. And, I'm, and I know that, it, that sure. it still happens in Chang's show. Mm-hmm. But my, my, my parting shot on him is that when he won his Michelin Stars for uh, his restaurants, uh, he was known as basically the renegade of cooking, um, and like he was an anti-convention chef. So I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some of his persona that he puts on to be that renegade chef, as like a character that he knows he has to play, and also to help push his menu and his chefs to mm-hmm. be unconventional and innovative. And then the real David Chang, who still holds to, there's a Chinese restaurant in his hometown that he always talks about, mm-hmm. who made the one dish the one way, even though no one ever makes it like that. That's yeah, not how he's, it's traditionally made. he's from
2: the south, not like deep south, but I think he's from Virginia, maybe. Yes, yeah, Richmond. Right. He, he mentions that a few times, but uh, yeah, he. Uh, I think the I think the the best thing about the show is its pacing and editing and the way it can. Uh, Shift gears just enough. It never let, it never stays on a single subtopic long enough to let you get bored. Like like if they've spent too long in Knoxville talking to a uh, Chinese restaurant owner in Knoxville, Tennessee, then suddenly they will jump to uh, Tokyo to talk about Chinese food in Tokyo, or they'll jump to somewhere else, and and you'll get a completely brand new take, uh, and it's done. You can tell that the people directing and cutting these episodes have like skills, and they are good directors. It's it it is much higher quality than uh, they have much more quality than like you get on like the Travel Channel or right. Food Network. It is not at all like watching one of those shows. So uh, even though I like those shows, I yeah. do I can watch the Travel Channel all day long. Yeah,
1: and like I love Anthony Bourdain, but his mm-hmm. his format is. I'm in a city trying this type of food. Here's day one from meal to meal to meal, end of day. Now here's day two, meal to meal mm-hmm. to meal. But with Ugly Delicious, they start with one the general, it's it's like writing like a high school paper, not to like oversimplify it, mm-hmm. where it'll start with this broad thesis and then it'll weave in multiple conversations that he has with different chefs and different experiences that he has. It kind of in it's almost investigative journalism in the way that they will have a conversation kind of explore that with the little cutaway where he's in, you know, Naples looking at what's a Neapolitan pizza yeah. and then they'll go to something else. And then they'll come back to that original conversation. Yeah, it's really a cool. different branch.
2: It's really cool. And also like he's not even on a lot of the what I call side quests of sorts. Yeah. Like, like they'll cut away and they'll go to one, one spot in the country and he won't even be there. It'll be one of the people he was talking to from an earlier scene has gone off to film their own segment about something to do with the main topic for the show. It's it's really interesting. It's a it's a fascinating show and I, I re, we really enjoy watching it even if we don't always, you know, agree you don't have to be a fan of his necessarily to enjoy that show. Um but we're still not done. The last one we watched was the the Chinese episode. Mm-hmm. Um so I think there's like one more episode maybe to go after that or two, but uh we're uh Enjoying it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely enjoying that. That's something that we watch while we, like, have dinner together. Nice. So, um, but yeah, no, I've, I've not been watching much this week, so uh,
1: that's it for my watch list as well. Uh, Kelly referred to that phenomenon of watching a cooking show while eating, uh, cucking your food. <laughs> 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 so that was really funny, because we've been, I love Matty Matheson, if you don't know who he is, he's this bombastic chef from Canada who's like the super fat dude with tons of tattoos, who's sober now, Who just like, you know, it's just this like wild personality. Is he on YouTube? Uh, he's got a bunch of stuff on YouTube. I wonder if that's who, Ashley's been watching someone who fits that description on YouTube, cooking for like videos. So like cooking fat guy with tattoos, the, the two guys I think of are Action Bronson or Maddie Matheson. Um, but, but yeah, she said it's, it feels like, we're cooking our food. And <laughs> our that's really good. Yeah. We've also
2: been watching some. Uh, we've been watching a lot of uh, Babish videos, which are I great. love
1: that channel.
2: Whether it's not just the movie uh, recipes either. They're You've really been doing good. the basics with Babish too. Basics with Babish is really interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well.
2: So, uh, but yeah, that's it for me. So we are 13 minutes into the raw recording and
1: already on our final. Watch list. Don't worry, I'm the long-winded one. That's okay, I was (laughs) hoping
2: there'd be some meat to this. Uh,
1: I watched two movies this week, um, actually in the past two days. Didn't make it to the movie theater, but I watched two semi-new movies. Semi-nude? Semi-new. Okay. There was nudity in both.
2: (laughs) I've lost it. Oh, you
1: got me back. I'm hooked. I'm going to start with the one I was less impressed by, Um, like ending on a high note. Uh, I watched uh, the movie Mute, uh, the Netflix original, oh, yeah, the, the Duncan Jones... The original sequel to one of your favorite sci-fi movies, right? Yeah, it's weird how they tie that in, too, but I'll get to that. Um, Mute is a story of a guy who was injured at a boating accident, and basically his vocal cords were ripped out by the by the motor of the boat. Ooh, um, uh, he, was, <sighs> he was swimming in the water... Um, and is an Amish from an Amish family, so he resists the new technology to repair the vocal cords, and it's about him and his relationship with this woman Nadira, um, who is a a waitress at the bar that he is bartending at, um, and it's kind of like a gentleman's club. Um, but it's it's set in the near future, a lot like Moon is, which is the you know thing mm-hmm. that it's spiritual successor to, um, and it is an interesting movie. That doesn't really get too ambitious, which I think is my biggest problem with it. Um, but it's Alexander Skarsgard plays the lead. Um, the two uh, villains are played by Paul Rudd and Justin Thoreau. Uh, it takes place in Berlin, and they are, uh, are Paul Rudd is AWOL. He's a U.S. soldier who's gone AWOL mm-hmm. and is just trying to like, get his papers. And he and Justin Thoreau are surgeons who work for the mob. Um, and so Paul Rudd is waiting for papers for him and his daughter so they can leave the country and their shenanigans afoot with, you know, the daughter's parentage about how uh, Skarsgård's character, Leo, and Paul Rudd's character name is uh, Cactus, because they've all got their, like, hoo nicknames. But uh, uh, and kind of how their lives surrounding the disappearance of Skarsgård, Leo's, girlfriend, how, how Paul Rudd and his life intertwine. Cool. Um, but other than that, it's a pretty surface-level noir story. Um, kind of takes all the wrong beats out of Blade Runner. Um, because one of the interesting aspects of Blade Runner is its philosophy, and the main character of Mute can't talk. Um, so it's a lot of him writing down on a pad of paper and pointing at it vigorously, or him not even being able to say what he wants and people just beating the shit out of him and kicking him out of wherever he is but him I guess like understanding leads based on something I don't know but Hmm. I got got shat on pretty hard yeah I I don't think it deserves all of the negative criticism I think that it's it's acted well by the main three who are in it and that's guard Thoreau, and red. Um, Justin Thoreau plays a pedophile, which is, like, really uncomfortable because there's a moment in the movie where, like, Justin Thoreau kind of wins his character uh, and is, like, he kind of hints to the other characters, like, now I get to sexual assault minors all the time. No one can stop me. Now if you guys are out of the picture. And, like, mm. including that... Possibly Cactus's daughter is going to be like his first victim. It's like really icky feeling in that moment.
2: But wow, well, it seems like Justin Thoreau is having trouble finding roles that have him uh, attracted to the correct age because uh, the last movie we saw him in was uh, The Last Jedi, where there's a reference to him knowing exactly how to please Maz Kanata, the <laughs> 800 year old alien. So that's a, that's a weird theme with Justin Thoreau's career. Yeah, Ugh, that's that's uncomfortable. That's disappointing.
1: Yeah, and it's it's it is an interesting movie at the outset, but that's about as far as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that hyper color, neon blue and pink, um, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a hard time. This is a Netflix original. It's a Netflix original. It's a big budget Netflix
2: original. I yeah. wonder if there's a so, and this is very possibly anecdotal, just me thinking of like a handful of movies and thinking I see a trend when there's not one. But I think the movies like Bright and Death Note, which had like source material. And I don't know, did this have a, was this based on a... Oh, I don't know. Well, Well, okay. Well, so, you know, it's not, there may not be a correlation there, but uh, those two. And also the uh, uh, the new Cloverfield movie. Right. And I feel like Netflix has they're really good at developing like the great concepts and struggling with like getting past that concept to a great full movie in a lot of these cases like yeah. execution execution I mean? like a lot of these movies that's what i hear about them i hear and like even watching death note that's what i said about death note which was yeah now obviously they didn't come up with that story in death note and they didn't come up with the story in bright right bright yeah. was a
1: uh, no, Bright Bright was an original screenplay by uh, the the Laughter Kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. But they Okay, so I either way I think you're on to something and I think that that what it is is that the money machine at Netflix is able to greenlight concepts before they're fully fleshed out into a screenplay that would normally require lots of revisions before a studio right. went forward. With they're it. they're buying properties
2: and scripts. Yeah. And that that are really inventive and and maybe interesting but just at the mm-hmm. rough draft mm-hmm. Yeah, just straight road. up, they're buying the property. Like, yeah, yeah. The movie can't find distribution; they just buy it up. But maybe they don't have the people in studio yet that really have the the right touch for guiding filmmakers in the right direction. Maybe the I way that like I don't Disney know how does. much
0: I don't know how much the yeah. I mean, you definitely have some. You have these production studios that just crank out hit after a hit. I mean, you got like Bloomhouse and Disney and Pixar. Those those studios do exist. But like I feel like if you look at the ratio of what Netflix is doing it's not that far off the norm. You know? I mean like they still have movies like we watched the Poker King. It's it's a an average movie and they're going to make movies like uh, Mudbound which is fantastic. Mudbound's great. Yeah. So like I yeah. don't know how often like they probably had what last year like 60 70 original movies. Yeah. probably like 10 of them were good.
2: That seems like it's about normal yeah. for like Sony. Like I said, maybe this was anecdotal. I was also thinking about that uh Jason Segel movie which had a to me had a great concept and a boring execution. I, I mean, know. I enjoyed the rom-com.
0: I think it was the first Netflix original that came out this year. But it was the uh When We Met. Mm. Starring uh Yeah, it's certainly not a rule for everyone. What's his name? Adam uh yeah, uh, Adam Divine. Divine. It took me a lot to press play for that because it's got Adam Divine in it. Right. And I still think it's nothing against him; it's the characters he tends to play are annoying. Yeah, but he was he was great in that. Hmm.
2: Yeah, like I said, it's certainly not a rule. I mean, Mudbound is clearly a great exception sure. to that. But yeah, and Mudbound I think, almost is like the opposite. <laughs> and I don't. And I don't know that it's a trend. It's just that it's the same. It's the same issue with a lot of these Netflix movies that I keep hearing. Like, the criticisms of, of them seem to be the same. And I hear it more with Netflix movies than I do with, than I associate it with any other studio. A lot of other studios are just making boring
0: it's movies. It's <laughs> also like, you know, slapping in the face. This is, I know y'all understand this and it's dumb, but it's very,
1: uh, they have no reason not to put out shitty movies. Right. Yeah, nothing, nothing gets... They're not getting hurt. Nothing gets axed seventy five percent through. Right. Like, finish it, put it out. Somebody gonna unsubscribe from Netflix because the movie sucked. Maybe not
2: unsubscribe, but the the only I, I guess the the motivation they should have is that people will be less likely to watch the good stuff if they just don't if they just start to associate the Netflix originals with disappointment.
1: At, at the end of the
2: day, though, they're like, how does that hurt them? I mean, that's my point. Is like, when do they lose money? We're like. I, I think they like... I mean, I guess they would... I mean, yeah, they want people to like their shit. And and word of mouth, like to... I mean,
1: Stranger Things...
2: But like Bright wasn't that
1: good, but it definitely, like, you know, didn't hurt Netflix at all. It helped. Right. But, like, Stranger Things, I think they care less about the negative. It's when they take shots, because, like, a show like Stranger Things caused subscriptions to go through the roof for Netflix. Even if just temporary. Right. And they do have a... Actually, you read that
0: up, they do have, like, a... Fairly really high success rate with their TV shows. Yeah, they're,
2: they're really good there. Yeah,
1: I, and I think that that we are a little jaded by how many shows Netflix do have puts a on. Shit ton of A yeah. lot. That's true. Of they, have original some, they have some real shitty. There's TV a lot of movies don't watch too. But we just assume they're not good because they we'll don't. read about them or hear about them. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that is a drawback for Netflix. Is how do you market if you don't have a debut? if your debut is just like one day you turn on your TV or your computer yeah. and it's there and I think that's how they market man is that you make all
0: this shit you, you put it out you don't care if it's shitty or not you're not losing money but if you hit gold with Stranger Things you just made you know you're in the black in March yeah like
2: it's also so you just you just crank it out and it doesn't yeah. matter what happens if, if you hit gold on one of them you're okay. yeah no I'm I'm not really worried about Netflix's. This yeah, that's topic. sounded like
0: yeah aggressive toward you, but I kind of clicked in my head
2: all at once. Yeah, mm-hmm. like,
0: like I'm. Why wouldn't they put everything out? Because
2: it doesn't matter to them if they strike gold. then. I think though Netflix there. Netflix clearly wants to be not just a. They want to be a player. They want to be an award player. Yeah, they want to be taken seriously critically and commercially. Like they they are commercially and they are they're, they're there successful.
0: Yeah, I and, mean, there's more steps they can take, but they've done it.
2: Yeah. yeah. They're winning, they're
0: winning Emmys, they're, they're getting nominated for Oscars, they're winning Oscars.
2: Yeah. But yeah, I think that's, I don't know, that's just something that that has struck me about a lot of their movies, is tends to be a trend of like, they a lot of them seem to have really good uh, concepts, and oh. just iffy, ex- not not necessarily bad execution, but just right. not...
0: Cool. It's fun too, because I don't know what, like, I don't know if... When this is all said and done, if you'll point to Netflix or Amazon or any of the streaming services, it be like, that's the program that did it. Because, I mean, it was kind of a,
2: the Crown, Stranger Things kind of all hit at once. House of Cards was yeah. the... House of Cards might be... It was House of Cards and then Orange is the New Black, where they do, yeah, like, those, you got to get Netflix to watch this. Right. right.
0: Um, Movie yeah. Going, and I don't even know what it would be. Movie Go, it might be, like, Amazon may have jumped the gun first with, I mean, with a, they had a Best Hacker Oscar. Yeah. It's pretty big. I yeah, that movie was weird. They knew what they had it early. So they were like, we should just release this in theaters and make a bunch of money that Yeah. Week.
2: But Netflix is definitely kicking Amazon's ass as far as quality goes, just on TV alone.
1: So for for I think I agree for, for, for TV, there's some standouts on Amazon. Um, uh Mozart and the Jungle, so I've never yeah, seen Yeah, Mozart in the Jungle's so is really good. Um Handmaid's Tale is phenomenal. True. That's um, Hulu though. That is Hulu, you're right. That is Hulu. Yeah. Who's actually uh, apparently the sneaky? Yeah, I was speaking mm-hmm. of sneaky. Sneaky Pete on Amazon's really good. Oh, nice. Um, it's the Giovanni uh Brian Cranston right? show. Yeah. While, while we're on this topic, I know we've kind of derailed from what we were doing. That's fine. That's okay. a,
2: we uh, had a
0: total of two movies yeah. between the three of uh, us. Uh, I've got a
1: thought in the can to bring I've it had, all like, back. I've three people this
0: week tell me that Peaky Blinders is amazing. Anybody watch that? Heard good things. Too many TV shows. That's my my stance
2: on everything that people. And it just looks
0: like I'm sorry. I'm a cover art junkie. It doesn't look
2: like something I want to watch. Doesn't look interesting. Yeah, Yeah, but I've had three different people. Killian Murphy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. If we could sit David back down, he's seen it all. So I get
2: that and Sneaky Pete
1: mixed up because (laughs) that's what made me think of it. Yep. But yeah, but just 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 to bring this back to to mute real quick. uh, At the end of the day, I don't watch a movie like Mute and go. I'm done with Netflix originals. But I might take a side-eyed glance at the next thing Duncan Jones puts out, because he is a director, he is a screenwriter, and he brought this movie to the fore. He sold it to Netflix, and then Netflix decided to greenlight it. There might be some discretion that Netflix should should be more willing to wield, but I can't say if this went through a bunch of rewrites and this was the you know the full stop. We need to like mm-hmm. we, we've already we've already booked this money. You need to start filming.
2: I, I do like that they're having a lot of collaborations with big name director. Or I mean, he's not a big name director, but he's a director that you knew his previous work at least.
1: Yeah. I mean, and
2: but like with, uh, Okja. Yeah. You know that was a that was a great movie.
0: Yeah, and that's Okja. a superstar director.
2: Right. Well, parts of the world. And so uh, I'm interested to see them work with more directors and see what kind of, if it's like hit or miss or if it's mostly good, mostly bad. And see if there's a a kind of a trend line with directors and the quality they put out when they're working with Netflix. I'm really interested to see The Irishman, whenever that comes out, because that'll be a grand experiment with, I mean, you're putting Martin Scorsese with Netflix. With the cast. Yeah, with that cast. Um, Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I've stood by this since,
0: actually, I think it was Brent's idea in the, genesis days of starting the podcast and me and Brent said we kind of wanted to do something like this. And uh, it was when we both started like looking at films as like Titanic and The Revenant aren't Leonardo DiCaprio movies. You look at those as a James Cameron movie and a...
1: And your E2 movie. Right. Yeah.
0: Like, and the directors are the easiest way to look at that and writers after that honestly. Yeah. And I think the world would like, the, the viewing world would be much less disappointed by movies if they paid attention to who directed them and who wrote them. And yeah. More movies would get seen that they would like. Like can you imagine how well Manchester would have done if people knew it was the guy who did Days and Confuse and these other movies? Nope, no 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 no. I'm saying the wrong guy. Um Who's the guy who directed Days and Confuse though? Uh Richard Linklater, Boyhood. Yes. I was going Boyhood. Yeah. I mean. yeah. yeah.
1: If they if they knew uh-huh. it was that guy. Yeah, yeah. There's there there's a reason why like for forever. It was never like the title of the book or the game or the no, movie. Sorry, this picture of Kenny Long. <laughs> <music>. I know.
2: I thought <laughs> <laughs> it
0: would
2: be. I thought that would be really well written. <laughs> <laughs> good,
1: but but like you know, there's not a movie or a book that comes out, or not book, but like video game or property or TV show, that it that was once Tom Clancy's, that is not Tom Clancy's mm-hmm. in the title, though right. whatever. Right. You know the same way that that in video games you get like Sid Meier's Civilization, yeah. Because there's there's clout in that like the creative influence, and for for Boyhood on the cover like the grassy thing with the kid laid across it, it says you know like Richard Linklater in like, letters, big letters in the 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 scratchy paintbrush font, yeah. Because that's I mean that's that's what sold it for me. Like I don't, I don't I don't know who that fucking cast is other than like Ethan Hawke, right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it, it hit me that like, I, I looked at it compared to like, music albums and thinking like the the director is the main artist, and then like Leonardo DiCaprio is the, the session he's your your top session musician on that like he's right. the person you bring in to accomplish this one thing, but you're the one bringing him in. It's your record. Yeah, right. And it's your. Uh, no, your movie like,
0: and their movies like Mother like I still you I either one of y'all have seen it right oh, but yeah. like that movie would have had great reviews
2: if it was seen by people who knew who Aronofsky was and that's what that's a great example of why you shouldn't think like I love so and so's movies when you're talking about an actor yeah Jennifer Lawrence made a horror movie like yay right like no yeah liking Jennifer Lawrence movies will not I haven't even seen Mother but I know that liking Jennifer Lawrence movies will not it's not going to make you like pie you know? Right, right. But like, if you like Pi, if you like Requiem for a Dream, if you liked Black Swan, then you, thats yeah. the kind of person who should go see Black Swan, not Jennifer Lawrence fans. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because so much of that is in the arms of uh, the production studio, which in this case with Mute would be Netflix. Yeah. But like, even at that point, they don't they don't put anything forward because mm-hmm. all Netflix has to do is feature it for a week, make the trailer autoplay. And then, so they, they I think, do the most honest representation of it. I they guess, they go, you want to see this? Here's a minute. Yeah. Here, here's a minute of it. Here's a trailer. Here's what we think are the highlights, the lowlights. We won't spoil it because it's our fucking movie.
2: And I do like, think, <laughs> I think they do a good, I, I, from what I can tell, they do a good job with letting the director be the auteur and just yeah. do what he wants. And, you know, I think the movies that we have talked about them having some issues with, we don't know any of those directors. Like those are the that's where they need the studio people to come in and like help Titan. help new directors find their way. Right. And, but like, I mean, even if this mute is a slight miss for Duncan Jones, it still. I would imagine they pretty much let him do his thing on it. Yeah, sure. They're not the type of studio to step in and just say to tell a seasoned director because that's why, that's why all these directors are probably lining up to work with Netflix. They stepped in on, on the Cloverfield movie, I know,
0: only to, like, we'll take this movie, but we're going to tie it into Cloverfield, and it wasn't going to be. Because it's right. the only way people would watch it. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Which makes two of the three Cloverfield movies like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Where this, that's, it sucks that the other one did.
1: Because that's the worst part of 10 Cloverfield Lane.
2: It, I mean, it, it, is, it is the worst part, and it's not bad. Right. That's not saying much that it's the worst part. Have you heard that Quiet Place was almost a Cloverfield movie? For the same fucking reason. Yeah. And like, see what happens if you. Everybody wants like, to franchise everything. Yeah.
0: Well, they just they're they're worried about like it's a guaranteed way to go make eighty million dollars in their movie. Mm-hmm. And but like, I love that they didn't with Quiet Place, and you see what fucking happened. Yes. Yeah. Made one hundred and twenty million or whatever. It hit.
2: Anyway, yeah, that almost felt like a topic <laughs> that we just did, but good though. We don't do that. Enough. But we <laughs> oh, didn't yeah. have a we, we had a very abbreviated watch list, and I'm excited to hear What else, Chris, watched this week?
1: And I like this one better. Um. <clears throat> It is, real quick, how does it tie in to the moon?
2: Okay, sorry, I'm just curious. No, okay. I, yeah, I meant to start right, with this. They both start with M and they're four letters
1: long. I mean, <laughs> so there, there are a couple of funny moments that tie in the moon, but the general it's just the same universe. That's all it is. It's the same universe. But so uh, Leo, Skarsgård's character, is Amish, so they kind of you Know rebuff technology, wherever, and uh, there are TVs on in the background. And w- one of the like, a- anytime there's a news report on this on screen, it's about Sam Rockwell's character from Moon. <laughs> <clears throat> At one point, because they're talking about American soldiers going AWOL, which spoilers for Moon, have you seen Moon? I haven't seen Moon, okay. but it's it's a, <laughs> that's okay. I'm not
2: the type to get angry about spoiling a movie that I've had ample time to see. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so the, the whole idea is that Sam Rockwell and then clones of Sam Rockwell live on the moon and harvest resources for it that are used for power on Earth now. Yeah. That fossil fuels are gone. It's a very slow... <sniffs> slow reveal to yeah, that it's point. it's not like a...
2: Bah!
1: twist. But, but then the end is... Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't... I
2: literally can just shut my brain off and not listen to anything you're saying when like, you warn me about spoilers, so okay. I don't know what
1: you're talking about. Go ahead. So, so, so then, so then, you know, the the conclusion: Sam Rockwell like chooses to basically go A wall, right? So <clears throat> that's kind of not really. That's not the reason why okay. they're arresting A soldiers. US that's soldiers. the spiritual part of the spiritual sequel, there. And then in the background, there is one really funny kind of uh, <clears throat> homage to Moon. Where they're having a hearing about one Sam Rockwell uh, <clears throat> arguing why he should be able to leave the military at his pleasure. And the whole gallery is filled with Sam Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> and they all kind of in turn, like stand up and like voice their like support for it. It's, it's amusing. But yeah, it's just a spiritual successor. It's just it's, sure, right. no real plot tie in. Right. Okay, sorry. That's all right. For movie number two, 30 minutes later. For movie number two, um, where can I find the the thing on here? Is it in Diary? No. Reviews, probably. Uh, I just want to get the title right. Or 100% right. You good? What? You, you can move back again. Okay. <laughs> I'm back. You were frowning <clears> the <throat> computer. Yeah. Uh, the other movie I watched was directed by Brian Taylor. Are you familiar with his works? Uh,
2: number one overall pick of the 1991... In- <laughs> Major League Baseball draft. He broke his elbow in a bar fight. He's a New York Yankees farmhand. Probably not that Brian Taylor.
1: Just guessing. But could be. Does that guy look like this? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, he directed such quality films as Gamer, oh. uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, so not the first Ghost, <clears throat> ghost Rider, Crank, and Crank High Voltage. Ah. Uh, he directed a film uh, starring. Uh, I need to make sure that this is the. Protagonist. While you're looking that up, Crank
2: seems like one of those, it's like a shit movie that people love.
1: People do like Crank. They praise
2: action on it a lot. I've, I've never seen it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It stars uh, Ann Winters as a, a teenage girl whose parents are Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair. Um, and it is about a, I wouldn't call it a virus. It, have either of you guys seen, seen the movie Pontypool? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's kind that. of a virus in that sense where parents all of a sudden have the urge to murder their children. I've watched this trailer. I've almost watched this. Movie. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was surprisingly good. Nice. It What's is it called? Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. It is a wild movie um, in that it is a vehicle for Nicolas Cage to be very Nicolas Cage. Um, oh, that's, that's, that's what really you want. That
2: is worst and best. Though. That's what people so, want to from now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nicholas Cage, like they want Nicholas Cage turned to eleven.
1: There's a scene where he destroys a pool table with a sledgehammer while singing Hokey Pokey.
2: That, and I feel like and that could look like hits. that's that's classic Cage, right? That's gonna go in the montage <laughs> yeah. down the road. Like that that I feel like that could. I haven't even seen it. I feel like that could line up with the the alphabet recital of Nicholas Cage.
1: Yeah. The oh uh, yeah. A B C D E <laughs> F G. There's, there's also a moment where it's seemingly for no reason at all he wakes up in his office and there's like porn on his computer that's like still auto playing but he had like passed out uh, maybe I don't know why then there and he wakes up to his secretary telling him that there's a call from his wife and he goes I'm not taking any calls today you know what I mean and then just screams <laughs> <It's>
2: like, <laughs> Uh, I want to know how much direction he requires. That's a that <laughs> is somebody on set that I would be fascinated to see like a little behind the scenes documentary of of just like how much of the Nicolas Cage like as I call it turned to eleven is Nicholas Cage or how much of it is just directors knowing that that's like a that's a trailer shot or that's like that's going to be a thing people talk well, about. Well, if you want that character, like you go get him. Yeah, yeah. So but, maybe it's that too. Like I don't know because he's done subtle well.
0: Yeah.
1: Adaptation is adaptation a, is exercise team mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's also. I'd it also be interested to know, like, as as a director, as Brian Taylor, if you not that he's a great example because all of his movies are like at eleven for one of the characters. Sure, but like if you tell Nicholas Cage, like, all right, well, you're at your computer, you get a call from your wife. I need manic, and then you get that, and it's like, we're gonna go with that. Yeah, <laughs> that is not what I wanted, but we're gonna go with that. Um, how much that that they let Nick Cage play? i have little... almost watched that a couple of times. I'm really glad. Somebody did first. It's good. I'm not going to... I mean, there's nothing to really ruin about the movie uh, is in it, talking about it. Is it on Netflix? It is on Hulu. Hulu? Okay. Yeah. That's where I found it. I think it's probably in more, more places. Um, I see that, that uh, Letterboxd has, says it's on Amazon. Maybe that's where I watch it. I don't really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really cool. It's really unsettling in the beginning. Uh, as, as the action kind of kicks off, it's uh, Ann Winters. Uh, I forget her character name. It's kind of irrelevant. It's Daughter. Um she's in school Who's and in winters. Why can't I place that? She's a young actress. Uh, also starred in Reality High, a movie that nice. I talked about last year. Um you wouldn't recognize her from anything looking at it. She looks okay. like this. All right. and Winter is somebody. I don't know why that name is familiar. I might have just out of myself as knowing a porn star's name, but that wouldn't be surprising either. <laughs> um but it opens up in the school not really opens up, but the action opens up in school as this teacher keeps getting calls from the office about parents who like are pulling their kids out of class and just like keeps happening and then there's a fire alarm that rings and they go out there and like people have kind of caught on because they've seen like parents brutalize their children and then kind of go about their day. Like it's not something they feel remorse for, but they're not gonna hurt anyone else's kids. It's just their own kids and they have like news Reports playing about how like you know mother pigs smother some of their children some of like their their piglets, and no one really knows why it just happens animals just eat their young sometimes, and they think that this is like kind of related to that um, but you see one kid kind of scramble past the cops uh outside in the courtyard and like jump over a fence, and his mom just like takes her car keys and stabs him in the head and it's like, oh shit, this movie's gonna go for it. <laughs> And it does all the way through, and it is entertaining. Uh, and Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. Sao Blair is really good. She plays like a more subdued, like unhinged player. Um, and the the kid actors in it are good. She's got uh, Anne Winter's character has got a uh, uh, a little brother who's good. He's not irritating. He's like nine, and he's fun. Good. Yeah, he sold but, me. But but it's it, surprising. It's a movie I watched after you know our homework. That was assigned by me, and it was like a delightful uh, kind of shock.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, if you're wondering where you knew Anne Winters from, she was part of
2: best ensemble cast for the movie Sandcastles in 2014, which won. I'm not making this up. Uh, it it was a uh, it won at the Leonardo da Vinci Horse Awards, which is
1: apparently a real thing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I am fascinated by that. Like the Mexican MTV Awards that year where they had a best Colin Farrell in a movie?
1: Yeah.
2: That is like, you got two wheels with like, one is like famous historical people and one is animals. And they spun one of each. And it was like, Leonardo <laughs> Vinci horse. <laughs> awards. <laughs> awards.
1: Let's do it. Um, and I will say uh, Lance Henriksen, uh, who we Yay. talked about recently, makes a cameo in Mom and Dad.
2: Nice. Um, well yeah, you've made me kinda interested in seeing that.
1: I mean part. it's it's it is a brisk two hours. It doesn't feel like it's that long. It's uh, you know, I feel like with Nicolas
2: Cage movies that are just kind of like in that category of, of movie, as long as they are tolerable, they're entertaining. And sometimes they struggle to be tolerable, but it it's sounds like that one was it's when
0: they're not good
1: and they don't go over the edge. I need one to happen. Right. Yeah, That I need to be good or fly off the rails. Right. Yeah. And in this, it helps that, like, he is over the top in an an appropriate way. And there is the right amount of him. Because he's not the main character. He's not the person you're supposed to feel sympathetic for or worry about. Right. He's, you know, he's the dad. And then he's the villain all of a sudden. And then, you know, you have to deal with. Crazy Nick Cage. If he busted down any of our doors, we'd be like, I don't know which one I'm dealing with right <laughs> now. So that's fun. But yeah, Mom and Dad, I, I recommend it. It was, it was, it was basically a, I'm tired of looking for things and here's a movie with Nicholas Cage in it. Fuck it, how bad can it be? Yeah, because that's that's also a fun thing with Nicolas Cage movies. How bad can it be? The answer could be really, really he's bad. Some, he's yeah, has got some big stingers. Yeah, because he really just churns out movies. There's there's one that I that I swung past. I mean, enough but, to, that it's an SNL joke. Yeah, it was. There's yeah. one that I swung past that was from 2017 where he has the recedingest hairline I've ever seen in any of his movies, and I was just like, mm, "No, I'm gonna keep going." <laughs> the movie I never saw. That I will never see, but I always like, pronouncing to
0: the
2: title, whatever I scroll across on Netflix, is Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, reality Roundup? It
0: is yeah. Reality Roundup time, but I'm going to make a drink. Real
2: quick.
0: I will pause it. So yeah, Reality Roundup. I guess quick, because we can do this first, knock it out, and then we can talk about Survivor as long as we want to, but we have a, a winner in the challenge.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they announced that Car Maria won the challenge, uh, which is cool, but also, uh, unexciting because they revealed it after two hours of a reunion show Ugh. spanning two weeks. So how can they do a reunion show without knowing the winner? Like,
2: like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just partial to Survivor, which announces it's winner and then does the reunion.
0: They do like a, they do like a 10 minute reunion. Then they bring the votes out. Then it's an hour and a half. Ugh. Yeah. But it's, it, no, I'm saying Survivor does it that way. Yeah. It's like 10 minutes of a reunion, then they announce the winner, there's an hour and a half of reunion afterwards.
2: Yeah, where they talk about like what
1: happened throughout the show.
2: Oh, that's right. They started doing that in the last couple of seasons. That's why, that's why, that's, yeah. yeah. We but, have different views on, right, yeah.
1: But it's stupid because this time, so for last season, they did the same thing where they revealed the winner after two reunion shows and the cast didn't know who won after last season so and they even like filmed two endings so that they didn't even know after the tapings who won but this time they were like I'm like the moment you've all been waiting for and then they cut back to them filming in Prague where they revealed it to them then who won so Car Maria already knew that she won oh so it wasn't it even was even worse yeah so it wasn't even a surprise that they kept holding from us from right you. right yeah. Um, so that was stupid, but I still love that show. Is she a deserving winner? Yes. Cool. She really is. She's like, she's probably, she's in like the top five of the most physical women and she plays a great political game too. Um, she she, did play, she was one of the people on the show that I thought could like do good at other shows uh, that are harder. Yeah. She's, she's like a CrossFit nut. So she's really fit. Um, the things that have gotten her sent home before, and I'm not trying to slut shame, are when she tries to like use her sexuality to like play somebody. And it's backfired on her a couple of times. Um, but that happens on every reality show. Where someone tries to use their sexuality, male or female, and it backfires on them.
2: Yeah, um, me being
1: a challenge dude, she was the one who called out the bullies. Yes, she
0: was. So that makes me happy. Yeah, she was the one, like, when people, like, grabbed this girl's stuff and threw it off the balcony, and they were like, it's not bullying, we're just like, she can go get her stuff and put it back. Yeah, she
1: stood there and went, there's three of you, there's one of her, how is that not bullying? Yeah, she was like, guys, like, she was more like I would be, which is just like, really? Yeah, are you fucking serious? Right. <clears throat> but yeah, she's a deserving winner. Um, I don't think that she was that good this season. Um but that is that is also a good good game to play. It's a good game to play, yeah. She
0: kinda like hung out. It's like we were talking about Survivor, so I'm like she kinda like, I'm just gonna fade away.
2: Yeah. Kind of You kind don't of, wanna be the you don't be the, yeah. you don't wanna be the mover and the shaker until the very end, maybe. Unless yeah. you have to be, right. Yeah.
1: C- kind of like Dom at the beginning of this episode of Survivor, where and Dom even, went like, Hey, I want you guys to know like I played this because I needed Chris out. Like I'm really sorry. Like I acted like an asshole. But, like, that was just because I wanted to get Chris out. And like, if that's effective going forward, who knows? But he did play a backseat role mm-hmm. in the episode of Survivor. But Carmory did that all season. I don't think get... she ever made it to the uh,
0: Troika. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she did. She, well, made... I mean, I don't think she ever was chosen by the Troika. I don't think she ever made it to the Troika either. But I don't she, think she ever sat. She
1: was in one Inquisition.
0: She was in one Inquisition. Also, every Inquisition had one person who was just there to sit there. Right. It was very obvious. Yeah. Um Then so they had to pick. They have to pick. There were a troika was announced or was awarded to like three people who did the best of the challenge mm-hmm. that week. Um And then they had to pick three people to like interview, and they had to pick one of those people to go send to the game to be sent home. Yeah. To so like, they the had, the had to pick three people every week to interview, though. So every, it was obvious some weeks or it was
1: like, well, that guy, and then yeah. they'd be like, and them and them, hmm. like, right um but yeah but so she had a big target on her back all season because she is so strong physically um you know previous seasons my my favorite performers on the challenge are always people who end up being like the grinder who they keep getting not, like voted down to compete and keep eliminating people so like this season it was cam cam was my favorite all season because they there's also a weird credo where the um where the veterans keep voting in rookies and it's the same argument every time they say rookies have got to earn their stripes. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this for X number of years. Rookies have got to go in and prove that they deserve to be here and so Cam was the person this season who just kept getting voted into elimination and she just kept eliminating people and she made it to the final. Hmm. Um, Which making it to the final as a rookie is a victory. Oh nice. Um, And a couple people have done it previous seasons. Where's she from? She's from Are You The One? Okay. Um, do
2: most seasons have a mix of veterans and rookies? Yes. yes. Okay.
1: Basically basically every season. Okay. We talk about feeder shows on the cast a lot, talking about the challenge. Um, I know that in the podcast with Kelly, um, talked about how there's um, the British mm. Jersey Shore. Trip. Yeah. Like, Geordie Shore sent people in. Oh. Um, and that uh, I was talking to, was I talking to you? No, I was talking to somebody else. I was talking to a friend, Adam, who's a friend of the cast. Um, that like MTV looks for shows to feed into the challenge, and like okay. in the case of Johnny Bananas, they finally started sending their talent out also because Bananas is on Celebrity Big Brother this year. Um, I don't know how he's doing,
2: and but CBS has done a little of that. They've they've had a couple people from Big Brother come on Survivor. Yeah, but mm-hmm. no, they don't do it a ton. Um, when you said when you said that British show though, I got really excited. I thought maybe it was Towie. <laughs> Because if they got if they got Towie people on the challenge, I would watch the shit out of that. I don't know what Towie is. I don't either. The only way is Essex. It's uh, it is a oh, check that out sometime. <laughs> that is uh, it, it is. Uh, I would compare it to like House. It is I don't know. It's incomparable to anything else. It is just bizarre trash TV. Weird that uh, Ashley. Uh she just steamrolled through like nine seasons of that in like <laughs> uh like a month and a half. It was real quick. it was real fast. And I I would sit next to her as like in between working on things around her, maybe, and I would sit and like have a bite to eat and then watch an episode with her and I would get attached to all these idiot characters or people. I guess they're not characters. It's hard to believe those are real people, but yeah. That's... Um Yeah. Check out Towie sometime. That's uh <laughs> That's fun.
1: Uh, Kelly Kelly's been watching the Jersey Shore season because uh-huh. it's got a new season. Oh right, uh, right. Family right. reunion. They're down in Miami, and I haven't, I haven't watched an episode of Jersey Shore by choice. And you know we'll be doing laundry, or I'll be like working on my computer, and it'll be on, and it is it is mesmerizing. Yes. It uh, is. Yeah. This like it's. <laughs> I think it's. This season of Jersey Shore is also, in my opinion, in a weird place, not knowing any of the other previous seasons, because all of them are married or have long-term girlfriends or children with their partners.
2: It, by the way, if you just heard that, that's the air
1: conditioning kicking on. Welcome to the <laughs> summer season of Podcasts in Georgia. <laughs> right. um, Towie. i got to check out Towie. But yeah, so there's there's feeder shows that, that lead into it, and Are You the One is one of them uh, that... Couple seasons ago, um, is how it fed into it. TJ uh, Nelson is from Are You the One? Okay, um, and he was pretty much in the first class of Are You the One people. So he's been on the challenge for maybe four seasons now. They do two two seasons a year. Um, but yeah, so I, I love seeing people like that. Jenna wasn't on this season, but Jenna is one of those like grinders where she's just like a really dominant competitor and can do can can do everything. Can do puzzles, can do endurance, can do strength, um, and uh, agility, like whatever whatever they need she can do. Um, they didn't have bananas on.
0: He was on the short list. Oh, on celebrity brother. Yeah. Okay. I was I was looking up to see how he was doing,
1: but Okay. Amarissa was better out in week two. <laughs>
2: oh, she just keeps exiting things this year. <laughs>
1: yeah. But yeah, that was the challenge. I probably was you know, long winded as usual about it, but um, Carmaria won. Uh, Champs vs. Stars has started. We, we haven't started watching it. But <laughs> they they're not going to let you breathe in between. <laughs> no. Nope. They don't want you to start thinking too much. <laughs> it, it debuted. They don't want you to see what else is out there. Right. <laughs> the season started a week before they announced the winner. That's fantastic. <laughs> Overlapping the seasons. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, okay. But we did have Survivor, yeah, which r- was another great episode. Yeah, uh, it's turned out to be a really good season, actually. It has not quite. I don't think it was quite as good as the merge episode because, I mean, how it's very rare when you get a a full mono a mano episode like that with Chris versus Dom that we had, you know, yeah. the previous week. But, yeah. uh, but this my, is still pretty good. It's always fun to see a uh, an idol negate a bunch of votes played successfully. Yeah, my man Michael. I surviving. like surviving.
1: I like my votes. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, like, what is the? Do you know off the top of your head what the like number one negated votes count is? I can totally find that. I know where to find that. Because like, I, I was thinking back, and normally there's like a, it's like a split camp, and so there's like five and five or four and four, and the idol negates that many. Right. But like, there were three other votes, or four other votes. There was the three for Libby, there was the one for Wendell, and then the rest were negated by the idol. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous yeah. by one idol, like that's. I, I thought that was well played, awesome play. Uh, again, another week where I thought it was a nail biter that Wendell didn't play his idol. He Baller must, move, man. It was. I mean,
2: it was obviously the right choice, but I don't. I. Uh, it. I was. He's going to help.
0: I'm worried he's going to go home with in this pocket. At yeah.
1: Some point. Yeah. It's, so I was saying that uh, that the laurels my number one. Uh, She's really good. She's, she's really good. really smart. Uh, as soon as I said that to Kelly, Kelly was like, so does that mean she's going home this episode? I was like, don't do that, because we we, we tried to play that game last season, Yeah, and I immediately went out.
0: We've literally played as worse as we could possibly play.
1: Yeah. So, there.
2: Uh, to answer your question, there is uh, Castaway, and she is, she is often mentioned as a, a strong player. I don't think she ever won, but uh, Kelly Wentworth, Cambodia, holds the record for most votes negated in one tribal council... She negated nine votes wow. for herself. In that must one. have been like at the merge. Yeah, um, she's the first castaway to negate a majority of votes against her, against uh, against them with an idol twice in a single season. She was the first to do it. Ben last season was the second. No, no. It's the only person to flip two votes with a, right. with an idol. Wow. Um, ben is the only person to do a a unanimous vote still. No, nice, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know I know where to go to find my my <laughs> idle stats. <laughs> Is
1: it an Excel spreadsheet you have on your
2: computer? No, it's or the say. Did you create it? <laughs> it's the Survivor Wikia for the page for hidden immunity idol. They're they're really diligent with their record keeping sure. over here. I was
1: gonna say, you made it sound like some like some holy grail website that like no one would have heard of, but I bet if you Googled Survivor oh, yeah. Wiki, it's
2: the first thing that comes <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know where to find
0: that. Yeah. Google. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I will say I was disappointed going into travel because I was losing one of my like four favorite competitors. Who, Michael? I just knew I was going to lose one of my four favorites. You didn't like Libby? I like Libby. Oh, I oh, was yeah. upset because I knew I was going to lose. Yeah. I had no affinity for Libby. She didn't. She didn't. That's why I liked her. Like I feel like, I mean, she was obviously smart enough to know something was up. Yeah. And she was very
2: nervous about it, and huh. she was like, "I don't know what to do," like. I don't know. When she asked why she got votes at the previous travel council, that was the that was my little alarm saying, Libby doesn't really know what she's doing out here. I don't think. I feel like when she's having to ask, she's just she's kind of like, I don't know. I just don't see how that that's clearly not a play. That is that was clearly an honest question from her. Like, yeah. what do I need to do? And I'm just like, these people are all here to just play. They're here for strategy. You, you're... Libby, Libby is like an early season, like, she has the, the approach of a, of somebody from, like, the first ten seasons of Survivor, which is just like, like, try to be part of the group, and, and, I mean, that's what sent her home. Right. She had the, she had the opportunity to to get Wendell out,
0: but, because, you know, when Donathan came to her, it was Donathan, but, when Donathan came to her and was like, you know, we could flip, vote Wendell. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And she did?
0: Slowly. So she voted Michael. She, <laughs> yeah, she, she she said in the post-game interview with, the, on the is Boston
2: Rob has the podcast. It's not Boston Rob, it's a different Rob. Oh, okay. That is not the Boston Rob. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to
0: her, of the cast, and, yeah, Al, um, and he mm-hmm. listens to that podcast, and she said that Dawson came to her, like, pretty much as their pack left. It was like we could get Wendell, and she just didn't know where the votes were, and definitely didn't want to be stuck with voting for Wendell and her and Wendell not going home. Right. So she just went with Michael.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, it's not a bad call there. You might, you know. But Dom, I mean, and and at its side, like the way Dom approached her was so like, yeah, just vote for Michael.
2: Yeah. Like, do you have a do you have a favorite, or do you have a, a small group of favorites? So you mentioned that Libby was one of your four favorites. Who else do you like?
0: Wendell,
1: Michael, and uh, I like Laurel. I can see that. Do you have Yeah. I like Laurel. Uh, I I didn't like her before, but I might really like Angela. I think she's irritating when she talks. She fucked up, though. Yeah.
2: She does... That's a big fuck-up. Her, this past episode, is a very dangerous play, if you're Angela. That's a, that's you need the, Michael to go home if you're going to play that game. That's the thing you do when you are desperate. And I don't think she needed to be desperate. She wanted to make game. a move. And she didn't care who the move was on. Right, and that's the desperation. And then he stays. He's yeah. still there now. You that's failed. bad. You yeah. failed. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I obviously, I've been an unabashed
1: Wendell fan from day one. Oh, no, um, Yeah. Um, yeah, but like Wendell, really think, clever too. My my top four are are, are Wendell, Laurel. Uh, I really like Dom.
2: I do I
0: like too.
1: Dom. I like Dom. Dom is the type of player who
2: might normally irritate me in a season, but there is he's come back. There is an there's an earnestness to Dom. He's reeled it in. since the first couple of yes, and and I think it's I think that annoying as
0: shit on the first episode.
2: That's yeah. why I've. I think I made away. a comment a couple of
0: podcasts ago Our last podcast where you're like. He was so Brooklyn. Yeah. Yes. And he's reeled that in a lot. And it's like, oh, now I get Dom. I worry about Dom and Wendell. Oh. Now, Yes. I like Michael. I, I like a lot I of him. I'm really impressed that an 18 year old kid
1: has made some of the moves he's made. Yeah. And I also. His two big idol plays were really impressive. The one where he made the tribe believe that he had an idol that could save two people. Yeah. And then. It didn't work, but it was. It didn't work. It was but, brilliant. It was great. But they yeah. certainly fucking panicked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then this one where he negates seven votes. I mean, I, I look back at who was eliminated on the episodes where Michael stayed, and I'm like, okay, those were great plays. Yeah, yeah. I I'll also,
2: I, I, I certainly like this little team of Laurel and Donathan. Yes. I got to tell you, I'm liking Donathan more, and not in an ironic, goofy way, because his name is Donathan. Like. And the season starts. learning as the game goes. He is the So it's interesting. He is in he's a real he is a sneaky threat in this game because um, there a couple seasons ago, I, I know you watched this season, I forget the guy's name. I think it was Dave, who was just kind of a guy who was out of his element. He was maybe in his forties thirties, forties, uh, scrawny guy who just sort of uh, Dave was a guy who in the first five, eight 10 episodes, you just thought, this guy, how is he even surviving out here? Right. And then Dave wound up finishing third or fourth. Like, they all had to get Dave out at the end because everybody was certain the jury was going to vote for Dave at the end. Like, he was the... He's Those are the, the people the,
0: that survive the best because they don't exert themselves and nobody expects them to.
2: Well, for him, it was... You know what I mean? I I compared Donathan to him, though, more because I think they both have the potential... I think Donathan has the potential to do what Dave did, which was be like the the survivor butterfly of sorts, which is just like the the person who comes out there and is worthless in the The, first few days. And then... Joe, a few seasons ago, old guy, who's paired with the... No, 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 like, Joe was worthless till the end, I think. (laughs) Donathan, I'm saying that Donathan is actually getting better. And I think if, oh, yes. And I think as people see him, he can win a challenge or two. And well, he does. They got to turn on him quick.
1: He nailed. Right. He nailed that slingshot.
2: Yes, yeah, he, he did. And I was like, he's. But he couldn't pull it back. No, it was so sad. He's starting to be more of a threat on no. challenges
0: though. Okay, if it's edited, I'm going to be pissed, and we'll never know. But if Wendell went
1: four for four on that shit, and and Laurel went two for two, it's of course it's
2: edited to an extent.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I feel I like, like they would have made more note of it live,
2: like, if he never missed. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, even though... But, but they they did... You hear? You heard someone on the other team make a comment, which is he's like... He's on fire. He's on fire. Like, yeah. they're like,
1: we can't beat him. It was Dom when he was side-by-side side with him. And Dom was missing. Mm-hmm. He was also, like, running on that, that floating dot. like, I feel like you should.
2: Yeah.
0: Just, like, fucking scamper. Yeah.
2: Um, but, yeah... It's a, it a good it's a good episode. It's, it is a good season. It's, it's always a good season when there's not a power dynamic at this point, and you just don't know what's going to happen. There is a power dynamic, but it's just two people, and that makes it fun. Diamond and Wendell
0: have so much power. And I feel
2: like, everybody Laurel, knows I feel like Laurel and Donathan have a little more power at this point in the game.
1: Don, they're the most important swing. They don't. Yeah, people well, are going to come the, to them. They have more power because they don't have a target on their back. Right. right. Also, Laurel is the first person who on air has said the word resume. Is when she was talking about making a move to get rid of Wendell, she was like, "That'd be good for my resume to make a big move right now." And it's like people who think about their resume, you can tell she's like, yeah, she's smart, very, very intelligent. She's a yeah. real threat to win this game. Yeah.
2: But and I think I think this week is an uh, is an example of why I think Laurel is a threat to win the game because. She held back on that urge to go knock out Wendell. I think it's. I think it's still just a few votes too early to really go overboard making big moves, also, especially like, against people you're aligned with. Also, yeah. during
0: the challenge, when she knocked out two and then went and shot one and missed, and Prep was like, "Laurel is spent," and she like jogged back and let Wendell run out and do it. Like, you were a, like you D-1 were athlete. you were a D one volleyball player. Yeah. yeah, you're not spent. Yeah, yeah, you're held back a little
2: bit. Yeah, so, like let Wendell win it. I don't need to win it. That's the thing. That's what she needs to do. She needs to keep Dom and Wendell around yeah. as the targets. She needs while a, they're around, she won't be. She needs a buffer because Dom and Wendell. I think neither one wants to make decisions, but they will instinctively make decisions on like who to vote for. Like, and they've kind of been forced in the past couple of weeks. And, and I think that you just don't want to be the person making calling the shots at this point in the game. Right, you had, had to get Chris out. Yep. and then last week, I mean, what's what's her name? Pretty Maybe. much was like Michael's gonna vote for y'all. Oh, Angela. Yeah, when Michael
0: got like goaded into saying that,
2: you want to be the point guard at this point in the game. You want to be, you want to pick who you're dishing it to. You want to be like, like passing to a specific person so that they can execute the kill.
1: It was in the, in it the was the vote. It was the argument that, that Ryan made that was unsuccessful at the end of last season that I thought was like, that's a good argument. The reason why you don't know that I played a good game is because I made sure you didn't know that I played a good game is I had people act for me. At some point though you
2: do have to start taking the shots. You right, right. do have to start like taking over. Uh-huh. So well, I think
1: they they still have they still they still have to pick the bones of the original tribe alignments. Yeah. Like Michael's going home next next week unless he wins immunity or finds it. Like Michael's going home next because that's the last he and Libby were the last two of that first tribe. Uh, that first Malola he'll, tribe. He'll come. He will he needs to look up with Laurel and Jonathan, and I think he will.
0: Um, I doubt he's on the block next week. But that's just, like, the way Survivor tends to work.
1: But, fuck, he's on the block more than everybody else combined so far this season. Yeah. yeah. Can, we, can we talk about, just real quick, I don't know, I'm not trying to wrap up the talk, but I just want to make sure we get in here, uh, that eating challenge. I did not expect it to be dominated like that by Angela. It was two people from the get go. Yeah. Once everybody win, it was like, well, them two was the final. The yeah. only, the only thing
2: I liked about that challenge was <laughs> Wendell's reaction to touching the fisheye. Just <laughs> threw it away. It was like, like, nope. His like arm. Like, yeah. Hal pointed out that his arm just like involuntarily like flung. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't even have control of it. It's
1: like when you, you like, when you like look down at your arm and there's like like a like a fly or a spider on it. You're trying of go. Bleh. Bleh. Yeah. And, like it
0: seemed douchey, but I also really respected it.
1: Like well, no, not that.
0: I'm
2: oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, Michael,
0: yeah, being like finishing it. You're never gonna. It's a delicacy somewhere. I'm never gonna have a chance to eat it again.
2: Oh, I, yeah. I, I think they will respect that just because it's like you've eaten all that. Yeah. Might as well just finish it. And also like
1: calories. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh, protein. Probably. <laughs> but uh, Angela uh swallowing an entire sea cucumber. That was insane. The first one. Yeah. That was insane. The second one kept coming up, but the first one, man, it was like. <laughs> But it then it was just gone. gone but dude. then she ripped the second one in half, and she went <laughs> two yeah. gone. Like she just had to rip it in half with her fingers. Yeah. Like that was that was just like ridiculous. Because that's that's something that's always crossed my mind. in, like watching the challenge, they do eating stuff more often on the challenge uh-huh. because it makes for hilarious TV. But like, it's always crossed my mind is like if it tastes bad, just swallow it whole. That would be my goal with all that. And I, I don't ever what, watch a fish eyeball. Would just be like. This is in the back of my throat. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I would be Wendell in that challenge. Maybe not flinging it, but I would just like, like, you might be able to get it down for the my my. What I would tell myself is like, you might be able to get it down, but you're not gonna win this. I know I'm not gonna win this challenge. Right. So just let's not put myself through that. Yeah. Because there's, I know, I might beat one person here. I know I'm not beating nine people at this. Right. So yeah. I think I, I respect Wendell for just not even trying. Just because, like, why put yourself right. through that if you just, you can't. You yeah. know He knew he can't do
1: that. Yeah, and, and likewise with you saying, I also respect Michael, like, you got that far. Mm-hmm. Just finish it. Mm-hmm. Finish the drill. Like, yeah. You know, this is not a serene moment where everyone's, like, applauding him, and it doesn't have to be for it to be something respectable. That was a good moment, though. My only only remaining complaint with Survivor so far this season
2: is not a big complaint. It's just that, like... Ghost Island? There is... Well, oh, yeah, Ghost (laughs) Island (laughs) continues to be a dud. Pissed me off again. Yeah. Because they could have actually... I think... I I like a lot... I like bringing back a lot of these old things. I actually like that. That's really cool. They just don't need to go through the rigmarole of, like, sending people to Ghost Island. That's been a you waste mean, of time. The, you mean the rigamole. <laughs> Sorry. I don't get it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, but uh, oh, That's what I typed. Yes.
1: Yes. I got it. <laughs> uh,
0: I just misspelled rigmarole
1: yeah. on the intro to the podcast, and it says rigamole. I saw it, and I was like, I should tell TJ, and I was like, it's, a bullshit word, and there's no way that I type it. that doesn't seem like you misspelled that, so yeah. I didn't mention it at the time.
0: No, I totally read it the next day, um,
1: and, and you probably went through something. You just like, type whatever. whatever, and I was
0: like, "How do you spell that?" And I googled it, and then I came back and just
2: like added the last
0: syllable. Uh, yeah. So instead of it's just "rigamol," "rigamol."
2: Um, no, it's like just it. that like <laughs> I don't, I don't get the, I'm not picking up on any strategy from like I feel like sixty percent of the cast. I feel like this has been a season that is heavily dominated so far in screen time by like a handful
1: of people. The people we've talked about. Yeah. I don't and know what like Jen is doing. I don't know really what Sebastian Angela's is just is. A background character Se- Sebastian story. is just a background character. Sebastian is just a threat that's waiting to get voted out. Mm-hmm. Like, who is he going to marshal to his defense? Like, Desiree tried to make a move, but she's like... All she does is scream at people during challenges. That's her most remarkable thing. <laughs> and then I don't know what Chelsea's doing in the game. I don't even know the name Chelsea. Oh, that's right, red, red hair, hair, big eyebrows. Yep, not big, but strong eyebrows. Anyway, that that that's awesome. That's her Indian it's, name.
2: It's not. It's just,
1: <laughs> said, we uh, we need to get rid of that. Whenever someone edits this,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's why I didn't say it. But I was like, the yeah. jokes too good.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> these yeah. guys will
2: love it. <laughs> so uh, anyway. Let's move on from Survivor.
0: Yeah, we're into in theaters now, and it is a very boring segment this week. Good. Um, if you like superhero movies... I do. <laughs> go see Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, and since most movie studios are ran by, like, intelligent people... And Disney. No- nothing else is coming out this week, so... Cool. Yeah. There's some limited release stuff, but go see it. it's also probably going to be worse than above-average superhero movie, and probably really good. Yeah. Um... Black Panther's universe is playing a big role in it, apparently. So,
2: yeah, I'm excited.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm probably not going to see it this weekend, but...
1: Yeah. I Kelly said she wanted to see it on opening weekend, but I don't think she really wants to go through I want it to see it on opening
0: weekend, but I want to see it on like Sunday at 10 a.m.
1: Yeah. I might go see it Friday afternoon, so maybe I'll
2: have something next weekend, too. Uh, next yeah, time let, let us know, but... Yeah. Yeah. I can also already predict my review. Yeah. It was fun! Yeah. Yeah. What a blast! Uh, but cool. We uh, don't really, we don't really have a lot of breezy this week. I didn't really have any news to talk about.
0: Breezy, yeah, a couple of like sad things. There were a few deaths that happened, uh, like today, pretty much while we're recording. Yeah, Bird Chori passed away. Um,
2: also, we should point out that since our last podcast, when we talked about Seven and we talked about Arlie Army, uh, yeah, Arlie Army passed away. Army uh, which which was really strange because he passed out, but not passed out. He passed away between us recording and us posting that podcast. Right, but
0: uh, yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of stuff. There was a, the first poster for the new Halloween movie came out. It's, I mean, I like what they're doing with that, which is ignoring every other Halloween movie ever except for the the first one. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be fun, but yeah, not a lot to report on this week. It's a dead time of year for movies and and yeah. sweeps and. Uh, wins E3?
1: It's late May. Okay, so we're coming up. There's there's Yeah, there's there's lots of buzz about what may or may not be talked about in the gaming space. Like, oh, yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the, the news stories right now are about what the news stories are going to be. Right. The only, the only big news story from games right now is the Call of Duty developers announced that they're just not going to include a single player campaign in their new game the next Call of Duty Black Ops game isn't going to have a single-player campaign, which surprises no one, because no one plays a single-player. They all play multiplayer. They all play like the... It's the annoying to because me, it because it's all I play if I yeah, ever would play, play anything. Yeah. And there's that's also... I mean, it's it's an article on Polygon. You can check it out. It's it's also not been confirmed by... Um, I forget which studio does Black Ops, but Call of Duty has three game development studios who alternate. That's how they get one out every year. Um, and... The studio hasn't confirmed it, um, and it might be a co-op campaign um, where you pair up with some random person on the internet. But I'm to ask real quick as a part of breezy. Has anybody read anything on the Truth or
0: Dare movie? Is it come? Is it come out? Has it's it come out. out. It's out. Yeah, it, it's it, just it, another Blue Mouse. I
1: mean, their past two were hits. They did Split mm-hmm. and Get Out. So it wasn't a big uh, critical success. Okay, um, but I imagine it looked it creepy did as shit well. the trailers. I just it opened against a Quiet Place. So uh, well, there you go. Yep.
0: Well, wrap us up, guys. Let's do it. This has been uh, Talk to Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Be sure to check us out on Facebook uh, groups where you can interact with us. Movies by us, games by us, TV by us, and be sure to like our Facebook page, The Media Bias. Uh, follow us on Twitter, The Media Bias, MediaBias at
1: Gmail what else besides the music? Radar podcast. We've Radar got a. Uh, yeah. we, we, we want anywhere from one to five stars. If you got criticism and you want to rate us one star, let us know. Also, subscribe. Even if you don't listen, just subscribe. <laughs> let your phone download it and then delete it. And then delete it. We're fine <laughs> with that. We
2: we count that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll thank the music intro music, always provided by the lovely and talented Willow Walkers. Thanks, Willow Walkers. And outro music by Boo Boo <laughs> will Walker's is, is playing a show, but it'll be over by the time you, hear, the time this. you hear this. Uh, Boo Rifa will be playing a show
1: next weekend, though, in Decatur, Georgia. Oh, so cool. they this weekend. And check the show notes to see when the uh, when the Boo Reefa show is. We'll uh, we'll figure that out and let you guys know. Yeah, but that's been talk talk. Thanks, everybody. Bye 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 bye. bye.
2: Kicking rocks. Down old dusty roads. Small towns, slow pokes, long time
1: ago. Kicking out records of all the
2: things that I know.